Good morning, church. How are we doing this fine? It's supposed to rain, you know, every day next this week coming up, which is probably something we could use, right? A little bit of rain here. Just, just a little bit, though, not like a deluge. You know, we just need a little bit of rain. But uh, I've been thankful for the sunshine this summer. Um, and I'm looking forward to going up to Upper Columbia Academy early tomorrow morning uh, for this constituency that we've been talking about. Please keep that in your prayers. It's actually what prompted me to, to talk about what we're going to talk about today. You know, there are times in our lives when we desperately need wisdom. Would you not agree? I mean, there are times when we could just kind of live on autopilot. Everything's okay. Uh, we're, we're okay with that, but, but there are times, there are certain times, when if we are not very intentional about getting a hold of God's wisdom in our lives, we're going to make some huge mistakes. Some of us in this room have made some huge mistakes because they, they were living at a time where they did not consider it important to take advantage of that wisdom. I could tell you that there's mistakes in my life that I have made, huge mistakes, because there have been times when I did not think it was important to have God's wisdom in my life. There was times I didn't even think it was important to have God in my life. Thank goodness that changed. Amen? Amen. So I want to read you a, 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 a Bible text. And I love this. It says, joyful is the person who finds wisdom. And this is Solomon specifically talking about God's wisdom. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom. The one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver. Do you believe that? You know, we're going through financial peace here and starting tomorrow night, which is fantastic and it's important. Uh, and, and boy, I think we ought to have a, a wisdom peace. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? We need financial peace and wisdom peace. For wisdom is more profitable than silver and her wages. I love the way Solomon kind of gives her a personality. Her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing, nothing you desire can compare with her. I'm, I'm going to assume, because I, I've been through that financial piece, and I know a little bit about it, I'm going to assume that some of you guys who are going to be attending that tomorrow night, you're going to be going through actually a journey of wisdom. Because what's happened is that you've been going through financial uh, decisions with not so much wisdom and it's extremely important that we have wisdom but not only about financial situations we have wisdom about all kinds of things in our lives about relational things we need wisdom about the way the church goes we need wisdom about how we conduct ourselves in society some of us need wisdom about how to deal with Facebook and I was hoping I'd get a few there Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. She offers you 
wisdom, long life in her right hand, and riches and honor in her left. She will guide you down delightful paths. All her ways, not some of her ways, all her ways are satisfying. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. July 2, 1982, there was a story that was uh, in the newspapers. It was actually on TV. It was everywhere. Some of you guys might even remember this. Some of you guys were not born, and that's okay. Uh, you can still learn from the wisdom that comes out of this story. And it starts off by saying, Larry's boyhood dream was to fly. Larry. When he graduated from high school, Larry joined the Air Force in hope of becoming a pilot, but unfortunately, poor eyesight disqualified him. Some of you are pilot in this room, pilots in this room. You know what that is. You know how important eyesight is. But his dream never wavered, Larry. And so one day, Larry had a bright idea. Larry decided to fly. Are you all with me so far? So he decided to go to the local Army-Navy surplus store and with a false purchase order, purchased 45 weather balloons, 45 weather balloons, and several tanks of helium. The weather balloons, when fully inflated, would measure more than eight feet across, 45 of these. Back home, Larry securely strapped the balloons to his sturdy lawn chair. You, some of you guys are way ahead of me. Stay with me on this. He anchored the chair to the bumper of his Jeep and inflated the balloons with the helium. Satisfied that it would work, Larry packed several sandwiches, a six-pack of Miller Lite, a CB radio, a camera, he wanted to take pictures, of course, and he loaded his pellet gun because he figured that he could pop a few balloons when it was time to descend. And went back to the floating low chair with all this stuff. He tied himself in along with his provisions. Larry's plan was to lazily, lazily float up to a height of about 30 feet in his backyard in Los Angeles, California. Well, the article says things didn't quite work out that way. When his friends cut the cord, in the midst of cheering, the lawn chair to his Jeep didn't float lazily up to 30 feet or so. Instead, he streaked, <laughs> he streaked into the L.A. sky as if he was shot from a cannon. 
He didn't level at 30 feet. He didn't level at 100 feet. After climbing and climbing, he leveled at 16,000 feet. The first casualties were his eyeglasses. <laughs> He's on the CB radio. You can, actually, you can actually look this up. You can actually hear the conversation that he has with his wife, you know. And he's on the CB radio with his wife or living girlfriend. I don't know what she was. And, 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 and she's like, you got to come down right away. And he's like, I, where am I going to come? <laughs> I don't even know where I am right now. I'm just, you know, thousands of feet up there. Uh, at, the height, at that height, he thought that it would be difficult to risk shooting any of the balloons. So because he felt like maybe this would unbalance the load and, and really find himself in trouble. So he stayed there, drifting, cold, and frightened for more than 45 minutes. That's when the real trouble began. Because he found himself drifting into the primary approach corridor of Los Angeles International Airport. A United pilot first spotted Larry. He radioed it. Can you imagine? Like, what was that? He radioed the tower and described passing a guy in a lawn chair with a gun. <laughs> you know, luckily this is before 9-11, right? Larry eventually got up the courage to shoot out some of the balloons because he was CBing the people in the tower and... He descended slowly, and after a total of about 90 minutes in the air, he safely reached the ground. His balloon had become tangled on the power lines in Long Beach on the way down, causing a 20-minute power outage in the surrounding areas. And when he finally came back to Earth, he was arrested and fined. I don't know about you, but I think Larry could have used some wisdom at that point. Somebody should have spent some time with Larry Waters to help him get a grasp. What is it about us that we would do some of the... Some of you people in this room, I don't know you, and I, and I could say this because I don't know what those things are. Some of you I do, but, but some of you have done some really stupid things. And maybe you didn't do this. This is pretty, pretty high up there. <laughs> no pun intended. But all of us at some point, at some level in our lives, we've done things that you're like, what on earth were we thinking? If we compare ourselves to Larry today, some of us would feel pretty good about our wisdom quarter, wouldn't we? You're like, yeah, I'm not that, that stupid, right? Of course, I would caution you, because the Bible cautions that confidence or overconfidence is the beginning of foolishness. Some time ago, there was a scandal in the uh, computer industry. Intel chip, uh, or the Intel uh, company, uh, found that there was a defect in the Intel chip that had gone out. It was prone to miscalculation every 27,000 years. I don't know whose computer would last that long, but, you know. There was an uproar, and uh, Craig Barrett, who was the CEO at the time, just got very upset at a meeting, and he went, 
you know, kind of put his fist down and he said, you know what? We cannot have that. I didn't tell. We must have, and these were exact words, we must have God-like accuracy. I don't know about you, but I think if we need God-like accuracy in our lives, then the best place to go is to God, wouldn't you say? By the way, Larry, uh, who was a thrill seeker all his life because he was still upset about the fact that he didn't make it, uh, after trying a couple of more times, ended up committing suicide which is the tragic end of somebody who just is not willing to spend some time gleaning some wisdom from the God of all wisdom. Amen? So the premise today is if we want God-like accuracy, we go to God. You know, Jesus, I love Jesus. If you ever read the Gospels and you read about Jesus and you read about how he handled things, you know, uh, Jesus... There were, ever, there were no questions that ever baffled him. There were no mysteries that confused him. There were no discoveries that surprised him. There was no challenge that would stump him. He would, in fact, he would find a way to stump the others. They would come there to stump him, but, but then they'd come back and say, nobody ever spoke like this man before. I mean, there was something about Jesus and his wisdom, and it was so simple. When you read the stories, you're like, wow, that is so simple. How does he do that? Psalms 139 says that God knows everything there is to know about you and about me. He knows our past. He knows our present. He knows our future. All of its brightness. All of its dark mysteries. He knows our hurts. He knows our wounds. He knows our dreams. He knows it all. And if you were to ask me, you know, give me a good definition of wisdom, here's here's what I would say to you a a fairly good definition of wisdom is. Wisdom is the ability to foresee the possible, probably even probable, (laughs) potential future in advance so that you can make an important decision. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So in other words, wisdom is all about saying, okay, look, how do we do this? When something comes up, you know, part of our problem is that, that we talk about things and we, many of us, we're getting to the point where we're lazy. Can I just be honest with you? We're lazy. We don't want to think anymore. I think that's been one of the biggest weapons that the enemy has been using with media. Can I just say that to you? We watch our televisions, we get on our computers, and our brains get lazy. And so when things come to us, we're like, yeah, okay, sure, whatever. And we agree to things, but I've been realizing, wait a minute, hold on. What is the future? If this, if this goes all the way through, what happens at the end of the day? If we play this all the way, what are the possible, potential, foreseeable things that can happen if, if we do this, we, we've stopped asking that question, haven't we? And I think one of the things that's... Now, now, all of us, of course, we would not know that by ourselves. But, but God does, doesn't he? And so this is where God comes in. He does. He knows it all. He can tell us. He can say, listen, listen, come to me. I want to give you wisdom. I want to help you with this. Everywhere I turn, and it's getting increasing... I, I, 
I'm looking forward toward retirement, but I'm thinking to myself, I'm not sure if it's going to happen. Because every year I get more and more of this. I meet people who have made some unwise choices. Now, fortunately, they have, the people that I get to be with have had the wisdom to recognize it. Praise God. Because there's a lot of people that make a lot of unwise choices and they don't recognize it. And so they're living unwise until one day suicide happens. But I hear this and I see this all the time. And maybe you hear the echoes of regrets. Sentences like, I should never have allowed them to influence me that way. I should have never engaged in that destructive habit. I should have never lost my temper. I should have never said those awful words. I should have never married him or her. I should have never left him or her. I should have never left. I should have never left. I should have never placed my job and my career above my family and children. I should have slowed my pace down. I'm just giving you some of the things that I hear from people. I should have spent more time with my kids. I should have pursued more. I should have exercised more. I should have worried less. I should have risked more. I should have feared less. I should have loved more. There's an article in the Huffington Post that gave the five top regrets of people that are dying. I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty good wisdom, right? Don't we want to know that? that that's like seeing the future in advance, isn't it? That's, I, I think that's important. Because hopefully I will look at this and go, okay, I don't want to have those regrets when I'm on my deathbed. I'll never forget talking to somebody who was dying, and I, and I asked him, I said, are you afraid of dying? And he said, no, pastor, I'm not afraid of dying. I'm afraid of the life I never lived. That's what, he was, that's what he was upset about. And so here it is, number one. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself. Not the life others expected of me. This article says that this was the most common regret of all. And yet I meet people every day that do not live an authentic life. I meet people every day that do not live a life that is true to the design that God has had for them. People all the time that they are a mere reflection of other people's thoughts. People all the time that are not in the driver's seat. They're, somebody else is controlling them. They have, are living life like puppets. And here's a little nugget of wisdom. If we're talking about advance foreseeing so you can make an advanced decision, then stop living a reactive life and start living a proactive life. And a proactive life is a life that says, I've made some decisions in advance about who I am, what my values are. We watched a, a video this morning in my Sabbath school class about a survivor from 9-11 
and we ask the question, what would you have done if you were there? How would you have responded when that first airplane hit and what, what would you have done? What, how would you? And, and the truth is that if we are not proactive about our relationship with God, we would, have, we would have probably just stressed out and freaked out and who knows what and probably died. But there were people there, some who died and some who didn't, who said, you know, it's time to go to God right now because the only thing that can, is going to help me right now is God. And, and this guy talks about getting 20 people in the room. He said, yeah, I, I was probably the only Christian, but I said, we got to call on the name of Jesus. And he says, I was amazing. Nobody argue with me. And they all called on the name of Jesus. And he was the only one that survived. And he thought, why was I the only one that survived? And he says, you know, and then I felt this impression from God. God saying, you know, they gave their lives to me right before and the next time they open their eyes, guess who they're going to see? Wisdom helps us to see those things and understand those things. Wisdom helps us to say, okay, I know that bad things happen. I don't understand how bad things can happen in a good world with, you know, with a good God. And the truth is wisdom helps us to understand that, you know what, this is not a good world. But God is good. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> That's right. There you go. And here's the thing. God says nothing will separate us from the love of God. Isn't that what he says? And then he makes this list of all these things that could. And he doesn't say, look, I'm going to keep you away from those things. He just says, look, if those things happen, just know this, that if you're with me, I'm with you. Nothing's going to separate us. See, that's wisdom right there, to be able to understand that. God is saying, look, this is not about, it's not about what's happening here. It's about what's going to happen in eternity. That's future looking, right? That's being able to say, okay, in advance, what, if I make these decisions, or if these decisions are made, what happens in the future? The second thing is I wish I hadn't worked so hard. We live in a world where you, you know, you snooze, you lose, right? You sleep when you die, you know, that kind of, I hear this stuff all the time, and then, then things happen. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. This is where authenticity bridges over the transparency, and I think part of the problem today is that we struggle with transparency. We struggle to be real with each other. And so we think, nobody's got the problems I have, but can I be honest with you? All of you have my problems. I'm just going to tell you right now. And I've got all your problems. We, we all share these problems. And if anything that the church should be, should be a community of transparent people praying for each other working together towards these things, helping each other out. How can we do that if we just come to church with a mask all the time? How are we doing out there? All right. So, the last one, uh, the next one, I should say, is I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. 
So many people. You know what? I actually have this regret myself. I had a friend, really close friend from high school. Uh, he and I did everything together. We worked together. We, we played music together. And then when I became a believer, uh, we kind of lost touch with each other. And then uh, uh, decades later, I found him. And his name was Eddie. And he's like, oh, man, how you doing? Good to see you. Let's get together. I said, okay, look, I'll come to New York. And, and me, I was living in Maryland at the time. And he said, sure, that would be fantastic. He said, you know, I'm just having a little slight, just a minor surgery. Uh, but as soon as the, it's, it's over, I'll, I'll be home. It's, it's like in and out, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you a call. I said, okay, great. Then I never heard from Eddie. And then so I look him up on Facebook again, you know, and all of a sudden I started seeing, like, these weird things on Facebook about Eddie. Eddie had passed away on that table. It was a freak accident. An amazing, amazing guitar player. Very gifted. And the, <laughs> the only video I have of Eddie playing guitar, this is a non-believer. He was a jazz guitarist. The only video I have you look it up on YouTube, it's called the Ed Zad uh, Trio. He and his trio are playing Amazing Grace. Is that unbelievable? Wow. Unbelievable. But I have regrets that I didn't spend time with him, get to know him. And he's, he's, he got married and he had a daughter and, you know, and all this stuff. And, and I never get to share that with them. And we were so close when we were in high school. And the final thing was, uh, I wish that I had allowed myself to be happier. Some of you guys ought to give each other permission to be happy. Some of you guys need to give each yourselves permission to be happy. Some of you guys feel like, you know, you don't deserve to be happy. Everyone in this room, everyone, look at me. Everyone in this room deserves to be happy. Everyone in this room deserves a relationship with God. Everyone in this room deserves to experience fulfillment and, and the best version of themselves. And everyone can have that if they would just grasp and take a hold of God's wisdom in their lives. There's not one person in this room that does not. You can say, well, Pastor Serge, you didn't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. Listen, I don't really care what you've done. You don't know what I've done. I can tell you this. I believe I deserve to be happy, and there's no doubt in my mind that I believe that you deserve to be happy. There's not one person in this room that does not deserve to be happy. Now, you can play the humble game all you want, but I want to tell you right now, it is high time that God's people grab a hold of that joy that, by the way, is the second fruit of the Spirit, so that people look at us and go, what is up with those people? Why are they always so, what are they smoking in that church, you know? What is it about them? What's going on in there? Because, because all they can see is that, is that there's joy in here. And there is peace. And there is harmony. And there is wisdom. Amen? So I'm going uh, to share with you five really quick things. Practical advice. Is that fair enough? So that you can go home with some practical advice. The first one is this. 
Acknowledge God's desire to work in your life every day. See, some of us don't think we can grab God's wisdom because we don't think he wants to give it to us. But you've all, uh, many of you, I know, I've, I've read this verse. Some of you have never, so some of you, this will be the first time you read this verse. This is an amazing verse. It goes like this. I know what I am doing. Or some of you know it as, I know the plans I have for you. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, God says. Not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. Do you believe that? See, God has your best interest in mind. And we need to acknowledge God's desire to work in our lives that way. The second one is we must, we must recognize, this is a big one, we must recognize the limitation of human wisdom. I mean, it's the biggest problem why we don't grab on to God's wisdom. We think we can do it ourselves. And some of us, we need to recognize the limitation of human wisdom. And not only that, but we must commit to his response before we even hear it. I get this all the time from people. I want to know what God's will is. What they're actually asking me is, I want to know what God's will to see if it aligns with my will, and if it does, then I'm going to do it. No, we have to say, you know what, I don't know, I, I don't know what your will is. I know what I want to do, God, but I tell you what, God, if you show me what your will is, even if it's different than my will, I'm committing right now to align myself to that will. And if you do that, God is just, just dying to show you what that is. Are you following what I'm saying? So here's a couple of texts with that. Trust the Lord with how much of your heart? All your heart. And don't depend on your own understanding. Remember the Lord in all you do, and he will give you success. Here's another one. The Lord says, my thoughts are not like your thoughts. Praise God for that, by the way. Your ways are not like my ways, just as the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Isn't that fantastic? Isn't that a great, great promise to hold on to? And then finally, this, there is a way that seems right, if, if you don't mind, if, if I can just switch this a little bit. There's a way that seems right to Sergio. But its end is the way of what? The, just because it seems right to me doesn't mean it's right. I got to be willing to give up my way so that I can have God's way. I got to be willing to give up my thoughts so that I can have God's thoughts. I got to be willing to say, God, you know what? I don't know what's going on. I, you know, I, I hope this is it, but if this is not it, God, whatever it is, I want to do your will. I need your wisdom. The next one is number three is saturate your mind with the wisdom of God's word saturate, not just read it once. I was talking to somebody the other day saying, you know, I feel like sometimes doing devotion is like a duty. I, it shouldn't be. You, you, you don't do devotion like a duty. God would rather have you read the Bible fully, deeply, even if it was just for like five minutes, like twice a week, than, than to feel like, okay, I got to read my Bible today because that's, that's what we do, you know. You know and, and some of you guys feel like, you know what, uh, you know, the we, we are told that the morning is the best time to do it, and we, we, you know, we need to get up in the morning. There are people, there, people, there's people God doesn't want to see in the morning. Can I just want to tell you that right now? Give yourself a break. God doesn't want to see you in the morning. Wake up first, you know, and then go and spend some time with God. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that, but it's okay. 
You see, Chris, I'm ADD too sometimes. So. Ah. Saturating your mind with God's word. I love this text. Psalm 1. Psalm 1, 1, 2, and 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk. Now catch the progression here, by the way. This is really brilliant. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stands in the way that sinners take or sit in company of mockers. You get, you get the progression? First you start walking, then you kind of stand and do some window watching. Next thing you know, you're sitting right along with them. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and that's what, he, that's what we mean by this word of God, and who meditates on his law day and night. The person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. My whole life changed the moment I started reading this word. It changed drastically. I'll tell you about it in a second. Let me give you step four and five first, though. Step four is surround yourself with wise people. Some of us could use some help. <laughs> Can I be honest with you? Don't be afraid to ask for help. I'm always honored. People say, oh, Pastor, I know how busy you are, but... No, 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 no. You have no idea how much you honor me when you ask for my help. And if there's any possible way that I can, in some small way, add value to your life, I'm all in. There's people in my life that I go to for wisdom. They're important to me. The Bible says, without wise leadership, a nation falls. And let me tell you, boy, if there was ever a time that we need wise leadership in the world, in our country, in our church, this is it. And then it says there is safety in having many advisors. Or in some of the versions that some of you may be used, used to, it says there is safety in a multitude or there's, uh, there's uh, wisdom in a multitude of counsel. And then finally... Follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that as you get closer to God, you begin to develop the sixth sense where you can experience and hear God? Do you believe this? There is no doubt in my mind. And here's what Isaiah promises us. As we live this life, that's this proactive life, this life that is seeking wisdom. As we live this life, it says your own ears, not somebody else, your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice that will say to you, this is the way you should go, whether you're to the right or to the left. In other words, what Isaiah is saying, or what God is saying through Isaiah is, you know what, sometimes you might not know. You've prayed, you've done everything. You've asked people, you still don't know what to do. He says, start moving. And here's the thing, if you're connected with me, and you start moving, and you make a wrong turn, I'll be the first to tell you. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful to say, to, to know that God's going to protect us? Hey, don't go this way. Oh, oh okay. 
You know, there will be ways in ways God, God will talk to us. I don't want to freak you out. I'm not, it could be audible. I'm not saying God couldn't do that. But God talks to us in all kinds of ways, through providence, through, through ideas, through things that, that all of a sudden we're like, oh, wow, I can't. man, I'm glad I didn't go that route. And finally, I'll, I'll finish with this. If you're going to do these things, if you're going to acknowledge God's desire in your life, if you're going to rec- recognize your limitation and commit to his response before you hear it, if you're going to saturate your mind with the wisdom of God's word, if you're going to surround yourself with wisdom from others, and if you're going to follow the prompting from the Holy Spirit, this is extremely important. You've got to be willing to embrace the uncommon. See, God works in mysterious ways. I want you to think about Abraham. who God promised in his old age that he would have a son. That was uncommon, wouldn't you say? 90 years old, I think that's pretty uncommon. You guys know anybody that way? Right? And then, after a bunch of nonsense and stuff that happens and and finally the kid is born and, and he grows up and this is like the joy and the jewel of Abraham. Abraham one day hears this voice and that says, I want you to go and sacrifice your son, your only son. And, and if we felt like, I mean, talk about how uncommon that is. If I was Abraham, I would have said, okay, that's not God. Man, that's some heathen thing. <laughs> I, I know that's not God. But see, Abraham and Moses and Noah and David and, 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 and Elijah and Elisha and Enoch and Peter and all these people, they were willing to embrace the uncommon. And sometimes we have to be willing to embrace the uncommon. My life is full of the uncustomary. My life is Packed with the uncommon. I could have forfeited everything if I didn't say, you know what, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is something to this Christianity thing. I'd probably be dead by now. There are so many decisions that I made because I was willing to listen to God's voice that was totally different than what I thought, totally uncommon. And so, embrace that. And the Bible says we have not because we ask not. So ask God for some wisdom in your life. He wants to give it to you. Amen? Would you pray with me? Father in, in heaven, we, we are humbled before your presence as we sing this prayer that you would change us from the inside out, that you would help us to lay our purposes and our stupidity on the altar and grab onto your design and your wisdom. We pray, Father, that you would bless us and help us to know what to do with that.
We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.